Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I am Alex. And I'm Britton. Good. <laughs> we did it. Now, what <laughs> did we learn today? <laughs> uh, we, sh- we probably should have had some sort of, I don't know, murder mystery themed gag mm. or opening dialed up. Pretend we did something clever there. Pretend we, you know, we like, I don't know, something about like, who who started the podcast or i don't like you know do yeah, the it. camera was roving around showing you the architecture of the podcast so yes. you really get a sense of where all the trap doors are yes lord knows i must have trap doors with all the kooky segues i make also merry christmas <laughs> um, merry christmas it is our christmas episode um i have covid i don't have symptoms anymore but i'm still testing positive so that's why i I've had, like, guys, I'm just going to be perfectly open with y'all and with the podcast. The past five days have been maybe the five worst days of my year, which has not been one of the best years of my life. So I am not in my best of humor. Uh, Fortunately, we're talking about a movie I really, really like. Mm -hmm. But going ahead and letting everyone know I'm I'm not doing great. I really hope I didn't give it to you because last week I was sick. I mostly recovered, but apparently I had COVID. I don't think I gave it to you just based on the timing. Oh yeah, but each other. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I do not have it, but I am surrounded by people who do have it, including the two of you who I've interacted with recently. So I don't, you know, we're 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 going. We're all we're just, just spinning, spinning, rolling bones. We're getting along. We're all just you know, knifing pawns in a in, in a cruel game. We're all kniving out here. (laughs) What's better than this? Three dudes (laughs) kniving out. We can eliminate no suspects. (laughs) It's Morbin time became such a meme that I got tired of it. Kniving out. I'm so glad we no one came up with that to my knowledge before now. That's so good. Look, you can't you can't say that, Britain, because some intern at a social media company that works (laughs) For film studios, will hear this. See, but then True. if they build a social media campaign off of this and get it back in theaters, people will go watch it. So it's true. That's true. Well, I That's remember true. there is that deleted scene where Christopher Plummer, before he spoiler commits suicide, goes knives out with your lives out, and then <laughs> <laughs> and just slink. Also, the part where uh, there's an end credit scene with him and and. Uh, Oh, what's his name? Um, what's what's the guy from uh, Spectre who plays Blofeld? Um, Christoph Waltz. There we go. Yeah, Christoph Waltz shows up and uh, he's like, I think it has something to do with James Bond. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's what Glass yep. Onion is about. It's about the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Christopher Plummer never did a Plummer never did a James Bond thing, right? I That's mean, he, probably surely he for, did, but like, it, I mean, it's good for him and bad for the James Bond movies because right. he would have owned in one of those movies. Well, I've also just like given myself the image of like a multiverse movie where where uh, Daniel Craig and Knives Out interacts with Daniel Craig in the <laughs> James Bond movies. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. I'm very sad that that will not happen. <laughs> he um, just looks. <laughs> he just looks. Uh, Bond like shoot somebody with a watch missile or something and Benoit Blanc goes you just make that in your body (laughs) 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 
<laughs> we, I think we, we're, we're not You're even some f- kind of a youth pastor. <laughs> We're not even five minutes in, and we've already been on a, on a real journey here. Tyler, <laughs> Tyler, you did break my brain a little before Britain actually broke my brain. Um, I got very confused because I was thinking there's an actor that plays Blofeld and Never Say Never Again, and it was Max von Sydow. It was not Christopher Plummer. Right. I got confused because I was like, yeah. oh, uh, there's a, there's some connection there between Blofeld actors. They're, they're friends, though. When Plummer won his Oscar, he thanked his nominees, and he said, Dear Max, well, which, is a lo- which is lovely because they were buddies. There you go. Yeah. God, I love Christopher Plummer. And Max von Sydow. Mm-hmm. We, and this movie. Yeah, we are talking about Knives Out. We'll hand it to Alex for the weather. Well, not looking great outside right now. Apparently it's supposed to Very freeze gross. later this week. Yeah. But, you know, I'm in a crocodile slab, so I suppose it doesn't <laughs> right. really matter. Knives out. Well, I mean, you'll 20... be, well, 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 if it freezes, yeah. <laughs> if you'll the be bottom like... of the ocean freezes, we're in trouble, I think. Something's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> Look, Jimmy Cameron will save me, okay? <laughs> he promised he would. I got a big drill and I'm going to come and get you, buddy. <laughs> That's how he talks. Yeah. Hey, it's me, Jimmy Cameron. Wild and if, stuff. And, and if my drill doesn't work, Ed Harris will punch through the ice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Knives Out from 2019, directed by Ryan Johnson. It has a 97% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 92% audience score. Yeah, we're back to breaking our rules. We're doing this and then Glass Onion, and it's only two movies in this franchise, but whatever. These are nice movies, Holidays. and it's the end of the year, so... It was either this or Christmas with the Cranks again. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the uh, the choice our our master placed before us. He said, "Choose, we choose the crank or the knife." Our master, I said, Jimmy "Choose Cameron. the form of your destructor." Uh, the, the knife. Ah, you've chosen the way of the scholar. <laughs> if you choose the crank, you have chosen the life of the fool. Um. <laughs> Anyway. Both look. Both movies star Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay, I, I, I there was a connection. That's true. That's great, Jamie Lee. True. Yeah, I haven't heard. I, Joseph saw Glass Onion and enjoyed it. I don't really. Know, I think the word is positive. I really mm-hmm. don't know that much because uh, it's not available for home viewing yet. But right. it will be soon. I'm excited to see it. Uh, but first, let's do Knives Out. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> yeah. Um, the synopsis for Knives Out reads thus. The circumstances surrounding the death of crime novelist Harlan Thromby are mysterious, but there's one thing that renowned detective Benoit Blanc knows for sure. Everyone in the wildly dysfunctional Thromby family is a suspect. Now Blanc must sift through a web of lies and red herrings to uncover the truth. That's accurate. a good synopsis. Mm. It is. Rarity. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, no, uh, this is a great movie. I remember my mom and I saw this um, in theaters back when it came out. And uh, yeah, it's just real good. It's, I don't know, man. It's it's this wonderful like throwback to Chamber Mysteries, Agatha Christie stuff, while still feeling very contemporary, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is hard to pull off. But watching it, I just kept having the sense of like, this is, I'm good. Like, I'm good on movies. Like, you did it. I watched a great movie. It was smart. It did everything. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Checked all the boxes. I agree. And I think it is a movie that really benefits from rewatching 
multiple times. Not even because there is <clears throat> a ton of extra stuff to catch, though there is there are there are bits where you're kind of like, oh wow, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, but I I just think the more you watch it, the more you can appreciate the structure and the way that the whole thing kind of unfolds, um, and how the movie kind of misdirects you and and swings you along. Um, I I I probably watched this I don't know four times something like that, and like every time I'm like, yes. I love this movie. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm going to be the most negative yeah. on the film, and by that I mean I really, really like it. I'm I'm sh- just shy of loving it. Um, I think some of that might just have to be down to the Ryan Johnson isms um, of the storytelling, and I can get into that because I've no I've noticed some threads between this Last Jedi and Looper. Sure that I'd like to kind of break down in terms of just things that he does in terms of structure and setup and payoff and that type of thing. Um, but there's just some elements here that um, kind of keep me from being fully on board and really liking it as much as I, as much as everyone else does. Um, but it's got a great cast and it's just kind of fun. I, I, I really, I almost enjoyed the first half of the second half because I like just watching all the yeah. actors just act at each other. And then the plot gets going and the plots, you know, the plot is solid for what it is. Um, maybe it's just I'm not well versed in whodunits and Agatha Christie stories. So I'm not I don't really get as much out of that. Um, you know, really, the only other one that I, I can name offhand that I've seen is Clue. And that's sure. very much like we're making fun of all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot here to like. I think that the, for me, the magic trick or one of the magic tricks this movie really pulls off is, is having an ensemble cast because I feel like so often, especially right now, we get a lot of movies with quote unquote stacked casts, but frequently I think you end up just seeing, just looking at a bunch of people you like in a movie that aren't really given either the material's pretty flat for all of them or they're not all given enough to do. And it just, you kind of go, well, it's neat that you got all those people in a room together, but that didn't really pay off. Right. But in this, like, not only is it just a cavalcade of really talented people, but everybody gets to be good. Everybody gets substantial material. Everybody gets room to play. And everyone is getting to do really good work. So it's like, you, you, I got everything. And it also is a change for a lot of these actors, like Daniel Craig and, uh, uh, Michael Shannon get to be funny and Tony Collette get to be funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, Michael Shannon gets to be kind of pathetic, which he doesn't all, which he sometimes gets to do, but not always. Um, Anna Darmus isn't like oversexed in mm-hmm. it. So she gets to, you know, act um, and is really good. Jamie Lee Curtis gets to be kind of arch and mean. And um, there was another one. Uh, Chris Evans gets to be a villain. Like Chris Evans. People are, He's so good, yeah. And, like, everybody gets to do... Like, Ricky Lindholm and Jaden Martell probably get the shortest mm. end of the stick. Um, while I still, you know, enjoy when they're in it. They don't get a ton to do, but still, it's nice to see them there. Um, Lakeith like, Stanfield gets to hang out? Lakeith Stanfield's in it, like, <laughs> like, one of the best. Like, he's amazing, and he's so good all the time. Like, everybody in it is just so good, and getting to do something different and getting to have fun. And it's just an incredible thing that you have that many standout individual performances that also work as an ensemble. Yeah. 
It's just really impressive. I agree. And I think that's something I that really caught me this time around is like how brilliant the opening is. Where it's like we're we're setting up, we're having Daniel Craig is questioning all the the family of Harlan Thromby. Um, they're kind of like all se- selling their own story about what they think is happening. Um, and, you know, what has happened over the last few days, whether, you know, they're all kind of hiding different things. Um, and the movie is immediately upfront telling you like, this is what actually happened at a party. This is, the, this is what they're not telling you. Like there, there's not this interrogation. And then a later period where we learn about the things that they were hiding and these things come uncovered over time. It, it just upfront is like, get out of the way. Yeah. This, this is all total lies. <laughs> Half of this stuff did not happen or happened in a totally different way. And they look a lot worse in the kind of true version of events. Um, and they all have some sort of motivation that could potentially have led to them being involved uh, in, in the murder of their, their father. And, then we go to kind of the end of the third or end of the third end of the first act and learn oh no uh on an armistice character she totally like does know what happened and it was a suicide but also maybe kind of manslaughter uh or i don't even know what you would what that would have actually been ruled if it was a real thing that happened the way she thought it did um but we basically are like wait so there is no mystery. It's just following her and being stressed about like, is she going to get out of this? You know, what, what's going to be the end result here? Uh, basically totally turning it on its head where we, we feel like we know all the information up front. Um, mm-hmm. And I think on rewatches, you really come to understand when you know, like, Oh, not really. None of this tells you the true story uh, or, or gives you the information you need to kind of click together the actual murder plot that was a was a foot here uh what it's all doing is telling you the characters of these different characters uh it, it's it's letting you understand what are they like what are what do they care about uh what bothers them what what are the tensions between the family like we learn all these things through this questioning that i think when you first watch the movie really comes across as oh, this is just setting up some different angles for that people might have motivations to try and uh, take back the family business or uh, stay in the will or whatever the case may be. Um, it's not until later that we understand totally the fact that this is just to establish who those characters are. Uh, and it does it so well and it gives all those actors a chance to really shine uh, and kind of make the material sing. Uh, it's great. It, it's, it's just from the moment it hits the ground running, I think the the movie is incredibly entertaining uh, just to watch these characters and, and how they're trying to get out of these situations or scheme and, and ploy and figure things out. Oh, it's super entertaining. And the, the dialogue is so sharp without... It, the whole movie, I think, has this really nice tone of being exaggerated enough. Mm-hmm. It's not a full-on cartoon land that we live in. Like... As as broad of an accent as Daniel Craig mm-hmm. is doing, it's really not that broad compared to like what you initially think of yeah. it as. But like, 
the the writing is really sharp, but it still never feels like so overwritten where you're like, people don't talk like yeah. this. It feels like you're watching a movie, so everyone's a little bit sharper and everything's a little bit smoother and the clothing is a little more exaggerated. But also, like, it's rich people. So, like, you can also buy it as, like, yeah, this is a quote-unquote real place. It's not trying to be super realistic, but it's also not trying to be cartoony. And I just think it it manages that that balance really nicely. It also helps just in terms of the setup that our, our, our uh, guy who's been murdered wrote uh, crime novels mm-hmm. and mystery thrillers. And he's modeled his house after that. Right. We can get away with, oh, we've got this super over-the-top house. Yeah. And it's got these fun little passageways and, and secret, you know, secret windows and, and all sorts of little things like that. So there's an in-world explanation for it, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I like how the movie doesn't, it, it doesn't go like a full Rashomon and just like re-show you the same scene different ways over and over again. It just sure. shows you different parts of a scene. It will kind of flash back to things and give you repeated information, but it's always in a new light. Like, I think the movie is really economically edited, if that makes sense. Like, it doesn't feel like it's wasting shots or wasting flashbacks or wasting angles. Like, it's very choosy about, now we're going to show you this bit, only we're going to show you this side of the room, or we're going to highlight this conversation that was going on. Or you later, you know, last time you saw this part and you saw Marta was in the background but now you're seeing what Marta was. Now she's going to be in the foreground. We're going to focus on what she was experiencing. Like it's just it's it's very clever in that way. And the biggest thing for me with that the opening interviews is kind of just seeing how much information people are willing to yeah. kind of give out because you've got Jamie Lee Curtis who's going on and on and on, and she's like, "Oh, I don't like talking about family <laughs> business." Right. And it's like, well, and then it cuts to Don Johnson. He's just spilling everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. I really like just the interplay of like, it's almost like they're all together, like at a table, but just obviously due to the setup, no, they are actually being talked to one at a time. It's just, yeah, it's yes. very, very smartly edited. Like I said, I, honestly, for me, if the whole movie was just two hours of the interviews, just like mm-hmm. constantly being edited like that. And then at the end, it's like, oh, we figured out who it was. <laughs> like, I would have been happy with that. Not to say that I'm unhappy with the movie right. we got. I just think like that for it's me so was the strongest stuff. Yeah. Did you guys get why Neil Craig was hitting the piano keys during people's interviews? I I couldn't quite figure out what that signified. I was going to ask that as well. My my guess, and I don't know this for sure, is that's him noting like I think they're lying. Yeah, or like it's a contradiction of what somebody else said. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I don't no, know that's that, my that best guess. Yeah. I, I'm actually happy that they don't really explain that because it's it, at that point it's not. We're not even sure if the cops know or if that's sure. just for Blanc. That's yeah. just a, a thing for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it could just be random. It could just yeah. be an intimidation tactic. I think it's it's yeah. I mean, like I think it's a good like character quirk to kind of immediately establish. Like it, it's a really iconic thing. I think because I I feel like I remember that in the trailers um initially and i think it just is a great way to introduce like the 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 whole picture of this guy daniel craig of course as we know him but then in the movie he hits the piano key leans forward into the light a little bit um the lighting in this movie is is very good uh just overall as a side note which works really well because of the house and how they portray a lot of different things um 
but he 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 hits the piano key and he leans forward and then he starts talking with this wild accent uh and it's like immediately just seared into your brain like we've got a whole picture we've got a whole whole idea of what this guy is um this this mysterious uh incredible detective man straight out of a crime novel like uh, it's it's great it's a it's a great like fully formed person that they put in this movie and he does feel like a person like it doesn't feel like an snl skit right you know <laughs> he feels like a full character it's a it's a tremendous performance like it's it's very very good work and it's and he's never so broad that he becomes a joke like he yep. has jokes and is funny, but you never stop buying that he is a competent <laughs> gentleman, private eye. Yeah. One of the things uh, I was listening to Ryan Johnson break down his filmography. Um, and one of the interesting things that he pointed out was that one of the easy traps you can fall into with something like this is making the detective, the protagonist. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, no, he's just supposed to be kind of like pushing the story forward. And he's got kind of all the facts as they go. But he's not, it would be really easy to give that personality that role and kind of uh, being able to resist that impulse and be like, no, 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 no. The story's about the family and about Marta. And keeping it there, I think, is a very, very wise decision. Just, uh, Ryan Johnson is a thinker. A little bit. Likes likes the thinking game. (laughs) That guy should make a Star Wars movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, Marta is such a great protagonist too. I really love the line where he says, "You, you want like you, you, you won by playing this your way by being a good person, and you did all this by you know when he's like like the 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 resolution or reveal or whatever that she didn't choose the wrong right. uh, or, or give the wrong medication because she's a good nurse is so touching. Like I got a little choked up at that." Yeah. He's like, no, you did this because you're a good nurse, because you know what you're doing, and that she's had all this guilt, and now she realizes that she is actually okay, and not just that, oh, I'm innocent, but that she actually did the right thing, and that is, it's just really effective, and Anadarmus is really, really good in it. Like, I understand why she gets some of the parts that she gets, but, like, she she's a good actor. <laughs> Let her act. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and I liked her in Blade Runner and everything, but I think she's terrific in this. Um, and I'd forgotten the bit about her vomiting when she lies. And I think that's such a well-implemented thing in the movie that like how Chris Evans will use that to kind of bait her into telling him the truth. And then later that's the fake out where how she gets him to confess that he killed the, the housekeeper um, by saying that she's alive. And then uh, she vomits and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's just it's it's nice. It's smart. yeah and i think yeah i mean like the movie is full of just so many good ideas that are just like on paper that sounds really interesting it's like yeah all right you got this gentleman detective with a foghorn accent and he's supposed to be the best private eye ever uh, and he's been hired by somebody he doesn't who he he doesn't know why he's been hired he's just been hired to look into something um and then yeah, you've got Anadarmus, who is a person who thinks they've done the murder. And we know up front that she's done the murder, and she can't lie. Because if she lies, she has a very obvious tell. And then the person who was murdered is a crime novel writer. Like, every little piece that you put together here 
it, it doesn't, there's no one thing that makes it work. It's just, is all just this big coherent kind of offbeat set of characters and settings and ideas that when it comes together, makes it super compelling because you never quite know what's going to come next. And when you rewatch it, you can see, oh, this was really well thought out and it does all fit together. And like there, there are things to trace and, and it's rewarding to kind of experience it again. Um, which is sometimes hard for a mystery, even a mystery that's done really well. Like, or, I mean, even like a, you know, action movies or something like that. Like yeah. the, a lot of the times movies can rely on, does the big third act really blow your mind? And we're focused on that. Then you know, the rest, well, we got your money on <laughs> ticket and this is, this is, you know, the best shot we took. Uh, it, it, it is, I think really impressive and takes a lot of, of dedication and work to like get something down that is something that like you can just put it on and be like, yeah, I'm just going to watch this now. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah, I watched that two days ago. I'll watch it again. Like, and it's, it's something that it doesn't, it, it, it isn't only good because of the answer. Mm. Like <clears throat> you can't, you can only shock somebody once with a movie because once you know the twist, you know the twist. But this movie's entertaining because of the journey. It's it's entertaining because you like watching him solve it. You like watching the characters. You like the way it's built and cut and written. It's not just about figuring out who the killer is. Because if that was all the movie had to offer, you would watch it once and never need to see it again and it wouldn't matter. Um, but you actually get invested in it and it's just really entertaining. And, and I think it's it's a nice reminder of these what feel like worn out tropey genres can be really effective when they're done effectively like a really good rom-com makes you go oh yeah i I don't hate rom-coms i'm just tired of lazy ones like (laughs) i don't hate mysteries i'm just tired of lazy ones like this is a it's yeah so and i i i really like how it plays on a lot of stuff about class and race and politics without ever leaning too much into it but it never denies it like i like the the running bit of nobody knows where marta's family is from they're all like oh, family's from uruguay your family's from ecuador you're your brazilian nurse like yeah. nobody knows and it, we never actually say where marta's family is from um so i think that's just uh just a nice little touch there there's a nice little detail and i i only notice it on this viewing, but there's a couple of different characters that go, Oh, we thought you should have been at the funeral. I was outvoted. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, uh-huh. the fact that multiple people, multiple people are saying it means they, they all didn't want her there. Okay. Right. Or just didn't yet. remember two or, like, <laughs> or didn't even yeah. think yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Shannon both say it, maybe some others, but no, yeah. they both do. Because yeah. it feels like the only one who is the one who's closest to being on her side is Meg, yeah. uh, Catherine Langford. But even she's not fully. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's something I I I feel like with Meg and kind of with Jamie Lee Curtis, you you sort of appreciate uh, that o- over time that they like are kind of the least sort of conniving <laughs> of all of them, mm. like. Jamie Lee Curtis is just defensive and mean uh, throughout yeah. a lot of the movie. Uh, she immediately turns on Marta when the will is read. She's like, you awful person. Why would you corrupt our father? How dare you? For you boinking <laughs> him. Yeah. Boinking. That's, that is the <laughs> word she uses. Um, but like there's the running kind of, it's, it's almost 
easy to sort of miss, I think, the first time you watch it just because it is like there's so much else going on in the movie, but there's the running through line where uh Don Johnson's character, Richard, her her husband, he uh talked with Thromby and learned that Thromby knows that he was having an affair and was going to tell Jamie Lee Curtis's character if he wouldn't. And it says, like, I've got it in a letter right here that I'm going to give to her if, if you don't tell her. Uh, and so he doesn't. And then he goes and breaks into his office, finds the letter, opens it, and it's blank. And he's like, oh, I guess I never wrote it down. Okay, well, that's lucky. Uh, and then he's he's uh, playing with a baseball, and he throws the baseball. And later, I think we see Daniel Craig pick up the baseball after the dogs have chewed on it some. No, it's immediately afterwards. Because I know we see the ball thrown out the window from Daniel Craig's and, perspective. And Daniel Craig and the cops immediately circle around and Daniel Craig picks it okay. up right there. It, it, he could pick it up again after the no, I think I think you're right. because But somewhere along the way, I forget what Daniel Craig does with it or if we see what he does with it, but somewhere along the way towards the end of the movie, Jamie Lee Curtis picks it up after the dogs have chewed on it, recognizes it's from the office, goes and puts it back in the office, sees the letter sitting on the uh, the desk, and realizes that oh this is one of my my dad's special letters he always put them in invisible ink because he's a crime novelist uh and then she goes and, and reads it like i think it has to be put under heat so she she's lighting a lighter under it and smoking a cigarette uh and basically reads the revelation that her husband's having an affair while her husband's freaking out about their son being arrested and the rest of the movie is happening <laughs> like all of this is just a little like neat through line yeah uh, and then we just see that uh, Richard has a black eye, <laughs> like a like a, yeah. a sort of red mark mm. over his eye. Uh, it's it's great. Uh, I I think that is it's just so clever and interesting. And my original point was that I think she's a little more. It's a little easier to sympathize with her than some of the other ones who really try to like win Mar- Marta over and be sort of. Uh, schemers and and convince her that they're on her side she's she's more a friend of just like well i hate this i hate you it sucks yeah uh and and then of course you know has has a bad go of it at the end of the movie so like uh i i feel like she comes across a little better and then meg as well sort of gets pressured into uh pressured and scared into asking marta to renounce the will because she's not gonna be able to go to school anymore because her mom's broke uh and she tries she like seems empathetic to her at first but then kind of turns on a dime when she learns she's not going to renounce the will uh but then by the end of the movie she's also like one of the first people to like uh come up to her when the family gets together again and is like i'm sorry like that i you know i shouldn't have done that they made me do it like uh and and actually like cares a little bit about <laughs> her um has like yeah she has, she's like the closest to having perspective yes on. like i i like that they're not it's not just like this incredibly awful family uh they're they're pretty bad but this, this incredibly awful family across the board they're all they're all terrible and they all get their comeuppance it's like no you can see some some you can you can see some empathy there and you can see or you can have some empathy for them i think and you can see how insulated they are and how much they just 
do not understand how the world works and and cannot accept that the world is not working for them right because their father's passed away and is not there to change things and obviously is the one who said you know what i've i've done a horrible disservice to you all by uh letting you just kind of chill and and write off my my money and my yeah uh resources like you need to build something for yourself it's it's really nice yeah i really like the bit where oh go ahead out I was gonna say I I just like how they have at least Jamie Lee Curtis I think a couple of the others in the opening um, they talk about how they're they're self made mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then they're criticizing the others for uh, like I, I think Jamie Lee <laughs> Curtis is like oh Michael Shannon um, I'm sorry I'm not remembering Walt. the names all that well at the moment uh, yeah Walt um, he just runs he he runs Dad's company like he doesn't really do all that much Dad writes a book every six months and then yeah. he publishes it for him. Um, meanwhile, it's like, how much, how much money did, did your dad give you to start your business? Like, yeah. I, 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 I like the interplay there between all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like the politics of the movie should have gotten on my nerves a little bit because it is very upfront with that stuff at several points. I, I think the reason it works for me is because it feels very much like it's being treated in like a argument around thanksgiving dinner type feel to it where it's like there's just this veneer of comedy around it because like the conversations being had are just so absurd um and they're pushed to the nth degree and i really like fran when she just kind of walks in she's like i'm gonna i'm gonna leave until the politics is done and i'm like i have i've been in that exact situation (laughs) at the family gatherings i know what this is like i i think no definitely i think that the one scene in particular where they are basically arguing over like immigration policy mm. uh, <clears throat> and they're, they're using a lot of arguments that you would see on the internet from both sides, like, like using the arguments that each side would use, which I kind of like that. It's like, they're talking about this in a way that like, yeah, a family at Thanksgiving dinner that you don't really want to be in the conversation with is, it would be talking about these politics. And I think, you know, I could, I can imagine which way Ryan Johnson himself would actually lean on the topic but i think what really comes across well there because they kind of uh richard brings in marta and is like oh marta tell us about how you uh you know your your family came here the right way and like you know you uh you you were you're building things from the ground up like a like a real american um and he during this while he's saying this he hands his plate to her to go to go take off i had never caught that before that's very good um but i think again and he also never lets her say anything yes (laughs) like she never i think again what it it really helps drive home is how insulated they are like these are people with a lot of resources these are people like regardless of which way they land it does not appear that any of them are trying to do anything about the situations they're frustrated with and they're instead like they're concerned about the arguments and about the sort of family interplay They're, they're not they're not actually interacting with the world. And that includes not even like looking at this human being that is in front of them as a person. They're looking at her as, you know, kind of an object to make an argument or or somebody to help them, you know, take their dishes out or whatever. Like, I I think that that's really why that works is that it, it comes across strongly that the, 
all of these people are not approaching this in the right way and aren't do not really kind of have the uh the right idea at heart regardless of of what they say they believe um i think that that comes across really well and i I really like that about that scene i think it's quite effective i really like the bit where they're talking about uh, Jaden Martell, Michael Shannon's son, is like a quote alt right troll, and he's I can't remember if he actually says anything political, but they're talking about it, and then Michael Shannon goes, "Kids, today with the internet, it's incredible." <laughs> <laughs> like just the most like dad. It's so funny. Well, it then cuts to is it maybe Catherine Lingford? I can't remember. Is somebody go or maybe it's Jamie Lee Curtis? I can't remember. So it cuts. It cuts from kid. Him with the internet, oh, kids these days, it cuts to, he's a literal Nazi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great editing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tony Collette also has a line in that that uh, that family argument where she's like, there are literal Nazis marching in the streets. <laughs> just her, her. Okay, Tony Collette just has like the best delivery of any performer. Like, just compare, like, the monologue that she gives in Hereditary (laughs) and then, like, have that stacked up against just little lines that she gets to throw out in this. Somebody, like, mispronounces the name of her company and she goes, I forgive you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, incredible. Well, I just, I lost it over Michael Shannon trying to tell his grandmother, Christopher Plummer's mom, that it was dinner time. He was like, Nana, dinner. dinner <laughs> to eat <laughs> to eat just screaming at her god he's such a great actor i love michael shannon and like he when he comes in he comes into marta's house like through the back door which is creepy and yeah. he's like oh i was i came in through the how you doing <laughs> he's so awkward and i love they never explain what happened to his foot mm-hmm. and why he's got the the cane but he's he's yeah. amazing him, him just getting up in Chris Evans's face and and just yelling at him is yeah. maybe my favorite bit of the whole movie. And then he's just like, "Here, have some more cookies, Ransom." <laughs> he does. Cookies. I don't know if it's somewhere in in that scene or if it's a different scene. He does something that I I think I saw in a behind the scenes video at some point that Ryan Johnson said was improvised, where he just does this like. And like does oh, like a yeah. pop and a hand motion to like make a well, point yeah. or like emphasize a point that he's made. Because well, I uh, think that Chris Evans right before then had said like had had made some kind of sound like that. Um, oh, okay. It, and yeah. then I think he was repeating it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very good. Whatever he's doing, it's yeah. it's a very like <laughs> I don't. I know I've seen Michael Shannon and other things, but all I can think of is this and uh, Man of Steel. And <laughs> sure, <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit night and day, but. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, or like this in Shape of Water. Um, sure. Yeah, he's he's the best. Um, how how do we feel about Chris Evans in this? Oh, he's great. I love Chris Evans. I mean, this might be my favorite performance of his, which oh, wow. is like funny because it's so off type. But like, sure. I don't know. I I think he does it. Like, there's a lot of really cool things that he gets to do that I don't think i've ever seen him do anywhere else um the way he kind of reacts while he's trying to figure out how to manipulate marta uh as she's explaining the whole story um and just how he plays her and how he tries to play uh daniel craig and 
I think it all just it's it's so strong the way that he responds to the rest of the family I think it's really smart that they they save him for a bit they're kind of like all right get used to all these guys because we've got this other guy who's just like a whole another curveball um because it's literally Captain America swearing at everybody and like (laughs) committing arson (laughs) but yeah uh I think that's really smart to kind of hold him back until we get farther into the movie and kind of figure out what the deal sort of is for the movie. Uh, and then he pops in and then everything kind of turns on its head again. And like, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's super strong. I think it's, it's, I mean, I guess it's not maybe all that far off from what he, he does in Scott Pilgrim, but this is sort of a whole, a whole different level and, and obviously a much more nuanced, like bigger performance. Um, so I, yeah. <clears throat> big 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 yeah. fan of yeah. i love the way he says when, when when he realizes he's been found out and he grabs what ends up being the the retractable knife mm-hmm. to attack marta he goes and for a penny mm-hmm. and then lunge like it's such a great like bad guy line like uh so good uh should i should i get into my my rather short list of trusty misgivings sure trusty list of misgivings i always mess that up i am prepared <laughs> to shoot them all down <laughs> that's fair um so one of the big things that i've noticed just in the three ryan johnson films that i've seen ryan johnson has a tendency to characterize or to prioritize i'll say um character over story logic um Minor spoilers for Looper. Um, the whole setup for that movie is you cannot get away with murder in the future, so we send people back in time. That's what the Loopers are for. They kill people that are sent back in time. About halfway through the, that movie, I won't say who, but a murder happens in the future, and it's just like, ignore it. The movie's still going. Don't think about it. Um, and so it's like, no, the one rule that you had set up in this universe is broken, and you're not. you're just not going to address it. Um, I, I recognize that's not what that movie's about. So ultimately it's not the biggest deal in the world, but that it's, but I think that setting, setting up some evidence, I think that that summarizes your feelings uh, a lot of the time when we talk about Ryan Johnson movies is it's not the biggest deal in the world, but (laughs) there's a thing that that's fair. Um, last Jedi, I think is riddled with a lot of this. I think particularly the, the chase in, in, in space, um, between the the resistance ship and the the big giant snoke ship um all the logic there and how the the i know they're they're technically not rebels they're 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 parts part of the resistance but they're rebels it's fine um they they kind of take a bunch of escape pods to this other planet that somehow the the first order doesn't notice and it's really silly how how visually clear it is in the movie and it's just like it's hand waved away in dialogue um i feel like that's just how he writes his movies it's just stuff like that just doesn't really matter to him he just kind of is he's focused on character and and in in many cases he's just focused on theme Mm -hmm. um and i noticed that in a couple of places here and I'm not sure how much of a problem it is because I feel like of these three movies, this is the most a comedy. So I'm willing to kind of hand wave away some plot problems, but at the same time, it's an intricate mystery where the details matter. Um, And really what this comes down to is 
initial police investigation would have caught the security footage and searched the grounds for footprints. I don't know why it takes a week for Daniel Craig to show up and be like, do you guys check the security cameras? That seemed really, really silly to me. Well, they were so convinced that it was a suicide. Yeah, I, I think I, that's the bit is so much I, of that. I feel like they would have checked everything just to, to dot dot the I's and cross the T's. I don't I don't buy that. So you didn't want to see Christmas with the Cranks alumnus M. Emmett Walsh? I was actually going to bring him up. I did have that in the back of my mind. I was like, I need to say that I, for some I point. I saw him in this movie and I was like, I feel like we've talked about him. I've spent Christmas reason. with that crank. God. Well, I mean, we did talk to talk about him a few weeks ago. He's in Blade Runner. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. But yeah, I don't know. I I mean, Lakeith Stanfield's pretty upfront. Like, no, yeah, there's a blood splatter. He cut it, cut his own throat with a knife. There, it wouldn't have made any sense for it to happen any other way. Sort of case closed. Like, I, I, I think that to me works enough to say, like, yeah, they wouldn't have even really tried to look for foul play. Like, they'll put on the track for them. But your results may vary, which is also what yeah, I feel I, like I end up saying to you a lot of the time when we're talking about Ryan Johnson concerns. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't buy that. I feel like they would have, particularly with how rich and famous Harlan is, I feel like they would have investigated everything just to make sure it was on the up and up. And it is kind of important because obviously Marta has to then cover her tracks when she realizes that, oh, hey, there's sure. there's still some holes in my story. Um, so that kind of bothered me. Um, the other thing that I noticed and... This really comes in with with Last Jedi. Um, thematically, obviously, Ryan Johnson enjoys subverting expectations. That's that's just kind of a thing that he does, um, and it's not necessarily a problem. And I don't want to make that make it sound like oh, I, you know, when he does that, it's it's bad. Um, but he he has a tendency I've noticed to to walk back his subversions. So like. Last Jedi, it's got this whole thing about, oh, we need to kind of move on and mature. You know, obviously, you know, Kylo Ren's argument is flawed and the, the movie isn't saying this, but, you know, let the past die, you know, move on from that. And the, the movie is building up like, no, the Jedi have to evolve and needs to change and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, it's literally just, oh, you got a Jedi and a rebel group fighting the Empire and a Sith. Like, it's a, literally the exact same setup. I know that thematically there's more going on there, but it's still, it's not, it's not like breaking new ground the same way that you think it is, at least on a plot level. Um, I thought that Ransom being the killer was way too obvious because when he shows up, he's the most testable human being. Um, so I, I, when he showed up, I was like, okay. This, like, he has the most motivation based on what we know at that point, because um, he is the one who kind of leaves angrily, and he uh, apparently has some sort of threat against Harlan. And then the movie spends the next, like, 45 minutes trying to convince you otherwise, and then he's just the killer. Yeah. That, <clears throat> I I was not super thrilled by that as the twist at the end. I I was just like, oh, we're just back to the most obvious person who could have been the killer at least from my eyes i know once again results may vary and, and the 
Britain, to your point, and I, I very much want to reemphasize, like, the journey's more important than that twist. But just as a twist to a mystery, I didn't find that all compelling. For I, me, I think the twist isn't that Ransom's the killer. It's that Ransom isn't Thromby's killer. It's that <clears throat> the the twist is that it was a suicide all along and that he actually killed Fran. Right. Um, sure. That's that, a good point. That, that, that's more how I receive it, is that it turns out that Marta's okay, and it's more about the preservation of that character's decency. And the, at least for that, that's what I get from it. Yeah, I, I think what works about it for me is that it's sort of like, hey, here's this guy who really obviously could be the killer because he seems like the kind of person, kind of loose cannon who would do this. Uh, but there's no killer. Oh, well. Like, I think that's what works for me is that the twist is the fact that there was an attempted murder, but actually it was just a suicide. Yeah. And yes, that then that means Ransom gets caught for this totally other horrible other thing he did in the process of trying to cover up this initial thing. Like, I, I think that works for me better um, than, than if it was just like, yeah, we're hiding the whole time. Who who killed them? And then, okay, it was, it was Ransom. I, because of the fact that the movie starts you off on the foot of like, what, what are even what is the rest of this movie? Like, like we, we know what happened. Where, where is this going? Um, I, I think that's what makes it work for me to, that it kind of pulls out of that uh, status quo to, to swing you somewhere else entirely. Um, that's what makes it fun for me. I, it is, you know, obvious when I think towards the end of the movie, it becomes pretty obvious that he's been up to lots of things. Um, but he has been up to some foul play. He's been up to some foul play. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that that works okay for me. Um, had another thought there. Yeah, I kind of threw a lot out there, so I apologize. <laughs> no, I, I was, I was about to spin off into something and I don't remember. Um, at some point I need to sit you down and watch Brick. I'd be curious to know how you feel about Brick. At some point, I need to sit you down so you can rewatch Looper. That too. It's almost like we could I, have done that for for a podcast at some point. I I do think Looper is my favorite of of the three films that I've seen. Ever. <laughs> I mean, you've watched Christmas with the Cranks, you've watched Looper, Looper. and you've watched Knives Out, and you yeah. know what? Looper's your favorite. You know. <laughs> You know, that's that's not the worst collection in the world. Uh, well, mm, the way back isn't on it. So. <laughs> I was going to say, if you had like a desert island, like you can only pick three movies to watch. You know, two two of those are decent choices. And then there's Knives Out. I'm imagining like Tom, <laughs> Tom Hanks on uh, the island in Castaway. He's he's like calculated that it's it must be Christmas and he's. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't even have a TV, so he's just staring at the DVD of Christmas and the Cranks going, Melikaliki Maka, thank you, say. Aww. But that's really it. The, those are the problems I have with the movie. Otherwise, it's it's very, very well done, very well executed. And I don't know. It, if nothing else, it's consistently entertaining. Also, uh, Frank Oz is in this. Mm -hmm. He and is. I love him. 
He's right there. Fozzie, he's right there reading the reading the will. It's amazing. <laughs> just getting, so happy. Getting berated by the, the family. Yeah. He's just like, can I go now? Okay, well, this is... All right, this is terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I love Frank Oz so much. <clears throat> yeah. Are we, are we cutting this one short? Do we have any other thoughts? <laughs> I feel like I have many. I guess the the other. I mean the 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 overarching thing here is. Like the the movie really what it's exploring is how these people who are in, this sort of, unearned position of, wealth and resources and, and sort of general comfort, how quickly they turn. I mean that's really knives out. That is like. Daniel Craig says it in the movie, how quickly they turn on on each other and on others uh, when, you know, that's taken away from them and how, like, because this one person was good and pure of heart and specifically because she tried to save her friend who she thought was blackmailing and framed her, uh, like, the fact that she just like stuck with her morals and like kind of actually earned uh the 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 kindness of this old man's heart like that i think comes across really well that that final shot of all of them kind of looking up and again talking about jamie lee curtis how she's kind of like i don't think it's quite admiration but she's sort of like huh when she's like <laughs> yeah. smoking on a cigarette staring up at a on an armist on the porch with the rest of the family just like looking shocked and appalled <laughs> that is a beautiful ending shot of them on the ground and her on the the balcony and the very last shot is her with the the opening shot we see the mug that says my house my Mm -hmm. rules my coffee and the very last shot is her drinking out of the mug and it says my house Mm -hmm. and then it's over Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's so good man it it, i think it it just is such a great like that is sort of the actual story that's happening underneath this very twisty complicated murder mystery um yeah and it's it's just really effective and really nicely done to, to sort of give you like a triumphant cathartic moment because it's also like it's like the, everyone else died <laughs> like she we, we, they are all humans who can yeah. go figure out how to make some money and like they're gonna be fine like she's yeah she's already said she's gonna like support them like she's not looking to you know like throw them into the streets but she's also like no I'm keeping this I earned this and this yeah this stuff is mine now like i uh, i am now going to use this for good <laughs> i'm a little confused like jamie lee curtis she still has her construction company right yeah, yeah. i think like for the most yeah. part they're they're not she's mostly well because they they established jamie lee curtis is mostly upset about the house like she mostly right like, yeah i want that old house um but of course i do like the build up when when the will is being read and yes they're they're listing off all the possessions and she like Frank Oz mentions the house and she like, she gets very excited. <laughs> Boinking. Correct. Uh, Upsetting. That upset <laughs> me. Isn't that, doesn't, after, isn't like it Meg or, or Joni that's like boinking? <laughs> Some yeah. kind of reaction to it. Uh, <laughs> Did you, what? I, I think, yeah, ultimately, uh, Britton, you mentioned they, uh, Daniel Craig says, like, you won this by playing it, the game your way. I don't think I had ever caught before. I think my brain had always just kind of flipped this. Um, that 
he says, you, you won it by playing the game your way, not Harlan's. And I think I'd always kind of mentally inserted like, oh, Ransom. Like, she beat Ransom by, by oh, playing yeah. a certain way. But it's really talking about the fact that, like, she could always beat Harlan at Go because she was just trying to build something beautiful. Like, she wasn't right. concerned about beating him. She was just trying to do something nice that she liked, that she wanted to kind of have for her own. Like, that's that's a really good, just like... I love movies that are just like this. This person's really great, and we're just gonna like let them let them have something good. Like we're, we're it's not gonna be easy, but we're gonna let them have something good at the end. Uh, it's sort of a, a Lord of the Rings with with like Sam. I would say the yeah. same the same kind of vibe for me, of just yeah. like oh they went through a bunch of crap. Uh, now they get yeah. to like have kind of everything they could have possibly dreamed of. Um, Charlie Bucket. Charlie Bucket. <laughs> sure. sure. Uh, I think yeah, the alien, other greatest film that I Alien want from Three my collection. <laughs> alien Three. Well, I mean, if you call the sweet, sweet release of death, <laughs> I think uh, that is everything victory. Ripley has always wanted. So I, I'll count. No. it. Uh, no, I, I also really love. There's a moment where Don Johnson is. I guess we're all yelling at Ransom, and Don Johnson goes, "Son," and Chris Evans looks up at it and goes, "Father." <laughs> <laughs> this is very like. Uh, it's so great. I love Chris Evans. Don Johnson's really good in this movie. Mm-hmm. I I didn't. I'm not super versed in Don Johnson's early career, but like he's great in this. He's great on Watchmen. Like he's been doing some cool late career stuff. Yeah, old Donnie J. It was probably on Miami Vice. I think is what that was. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> is that a Dick Wolf production? I bet it. I mean spiritually. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mark it. <laughs> Spirit of the Wolf. It was, it was back when he was he was a production assistant called Richard. <laughs> yeah, this is back when he was when he was Richard Wolf. Isn't that a, isn't that a Disney Channel star? I'm thinking of Alex Wolf. What, what's the other Wolf? Oh yeah, Nat Wolf. Nat Wolf. Okay. Close enough. The naked, the naked Brothers Band is Alex Wolf, Nat Wolf, and Dick Wolf. <laughs> I'm on drums. Okay, we're gonna do. Okay, naked brothers, it's time to rock this seventh grade party. A one, two, three. <laughs> oh man, I was gonna ask Chrissy to the dance, but she's going with Jimmy Taco. <laughs> can't believe me the most loserly of the naked brothers as, as always we, we can only contain uh <laughs> serious movie discussion for about an hour and any, any more or less and we just kind of it's kind of derail i just looked up naked brothers band songs Okay. And it's just great because I really love the idea of Dick Wolf going, I think we open with crazy car <laughs> and then we'll we'll finish on I don't want to go to school because it's relatable. <laughs> oh, I hate my principal. I, 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 I love think he should how, live in a trash can. I love how Dick Wolf is just Grunkle Stan. <laughs> I, I appreciate I was thinking, this so much. I was thinking sort of a Gilbert Gottfried spin. But <laughs> <not> just... <laughs> 
I just really love the image. Like, I'm looking at a picture of these brothers, and I just love imagining Dick Wolf also there. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. Man, tell me about it, guys. This math homework? Ooh, he's Chaz Palminteri now. I apologize. Do you think, <laughs> do you think Dick Wolf uh, ever, uh, ever got to see the Sweet Life on Deck set? Think, I would assume. Do you think he ever like? I don't. I don't know where they filmed these yeah. things, but like, I don't know. Yeah, it's well, like a thought. Prob- maybe if he was over there doing, I think they did a Law and Order LA at one point. So yeah. Have, while he was over, there, hey, listen. While I'm in town, I gotta see what Zach and Cody are I, doing on the big boat. <laughs> I'll see you at the marina. No, Dick. It's on a soundstage. It's not what. <laughs> but it's a boat. Yeah, I know. But it's not. We don't really go out in the ocean. And are you telling me Jack Sparrow wasn't on the ocean in real life? Oh, Dick. <laughs> but, the, but but the dog has a blog. I like the idea of, of like the whoever the showrunner for Sweet Life on Deck was 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 being like. Uh, yeah, you know, we we actually brought Dick Wolf on the set. He just happened to be, you know, in town shooting for Law and & Order. And uh, the one piece of advice he did give us, he said, don't do a set. Take, put, you know, really get get it out in the marina. Like, film on a boat. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look so much better. It really did. I think it, I, I don't think we would have yeah. made it as far as we did without that little piece of advice. It's just a, just a little nugget uh, that, you know, just shows the kind of guy he is. And that showrunner was Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> you know the uh, the nuclear explosion in Sweet Life on Deck wasn't done with CGI. <laughs> Remember at the end when they all die in that <laughs> nuclear explosion? I had the same thought because it's that Gregory Peck movie. Um. <laughs> of course, I'd worked with uh, Cole Sprouse quite a bit on Sweet Life on Deck, and I really thought he'd be the perfect guy to bring in for uh, the ro- the role of Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was the story editor on Sunny with a Chance, and and that was. Uh, <laughs> No, 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 no! I produced dog with a blog. I don't, I don't know the dog. Cock, <laughs> let, let, come on, naked brothers! We don't need to put up with these bullies. And then Dick Wolf shoves his hands into his pockets and marches off to class. I never watched that show, but I'm Same. assuming it was like yeah. every other one of them. It's the future I can see. I mean, that's, that's, that's so raven. That's where he got his inspiration to make, like, 12 Law and Orders, yeah. Exactly. In, yeah. in like, 2008 or whatever that show. <laughs> <laughs> now I truly am victorious. <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares of, like, walking through just, just, like, aisles and aisles and aisles of dick wolf tv shows on blu-ray and then they're all just gonna start falling on me <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the thing from the incredibles when he's in the giant room and trying to get to uh <laughs> yeah. i forget exactly what what the setup is but he's, he's trying to run across the walkway and just the blu-rays are flying <laughs> and sticking to you <laughs> just swarmed. yeah doom, doom. so i got that to look forward to which is nice <laughs> Oh, Dick Wolf. Are we are we grading knives I out? I give knives out an A plus. 
I also give it an A plus. A minus. There you go. <laughs> checks out. The math checks out. <laughs> I'm excited for Glass Onion. Looks like it'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a recommendation this this week, but I hope everybody has a, a good holiday, whether it's Christmas or, or Hanukkah or whatever. I hope it's a good time and hope you guys find some stuff to make you feel good. What about y'all? I watched the documentary The Sound of 007 on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. and there is an accompanying uh, concert video also on there, and it's all delightful if you have any interest in bond or any of the musical artists that have done bond themes it it does a pretty good job of covering almost all of them and you know it's really interesting just seeing music track across this history of films um and they they don't shy away from the ones that aren't as well liked um jack white is on there and he talks about the quantum of solace theme that everyone just kind of openly hates and he's like yeah, it was kind of a rush job, and I kind of just did whatever I wanted to to see if I could get away with it. <laughs> but apparently Prince told him that he was a big fan of it, so. That's all you need. That's all you need. Um, but yeah, it's got it's got kind of deep pulls in terms of just everyone that they're able to bring on board to interview, and they even talk about um, unofficial Bond themes that technically got made, like Radiohead did a Spectre song. That ultimately wasn't chosen. They get into that. Um, They talk about how Amy Winehouse was approached for the Quantum of Solace uh, theme. And there's a nice little bit where Barbara Broccoli is talking about that. And she's kind of broken up about it because she could tell that something was up with Amy Winehouse at the time. Um, So, yeah, it's just it's very, very good. And, yeah, if you like film history documentaries or anything like that, or if you have even the slightest interest in James Bond, it definitely does the job. Um, and I mean, Billy Eilish is on there with Hans Zimmer and they're talking about the no time to die music. So obviously that's, that's all good stuff. Um, and then the concert video is absolutely delightful because they get like, they get so many people that I would not have expected. Um, Shirley Bassey shows up and starts the concert with diamonds are forever and Goldfinger, And I was just like, Tyler, wherever you are you need to watch this um and yeah it's it's really really neat and there's a bit where Hans Zimmer and David Arnold and I've talked about David Arnold he's my favorite composer that they've had for the Bond movies there's a bit where they're just doing some instrumental score from No Time to Die and they're just strumming guitars at each other for like 10 minutes and it's amazing oh wow um and then David Arnold performs uh, You Know My Name, the Casino Royale theme. Um, he even sings it because, obviously, Chris Cornell has passed. Um, yeah, it was it was awesome. I think I remember seeing that footage. I don't know if you showed it to me or if I just found it on my own. But Yeah, I think I sent, you know, uh, like, somebody had just shot it on their cell phone. That's it. That's I sent it. that. Um, but the concert video is like a full-on production. Like, it's very professionally done and stuff. Yeah. So it's um, both the documentary and the concert video are on Amazon Prime. Um, so yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend those. Those were really, really neat to, to finally watch. Tyler? I'm not finding, uh, any good memes to describe this week. <laughs> I'm very sad about it. 
Oh dear. I did see. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put us through this, but I did just see an article that says, uh, "37 funny snowboarding memes," <laughs> and it says, uh, "It's got, it's got a Ned Stark and." Brace yourselves! Thirty-seven hilarious snowboard memes. Snowboard memes are coming. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't need to be going down this <laughs> path. I've opened the article. <laughs> no, oh, no, no we're not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back I out. Gonna back out. Tyler, I got really scared when you said meme and article. I thought you were gonna say James Cameron has announced he will be using a a top tier cutting edge meme generator to write the script for the Terminator reboot. Yeah. He knows what's just, it with the kids. I just by by my own hypothetical, I died. <laughs> I can has future. <laughs> well, you know, uh, James Cameron. He came to me and he uh, he asked, uh, you know, he, he wants to connect with the kids. It feels like the Terminator movies they've they're not working anymore. Uh, and so I he he knew that I'd worked on Sweet Life on Deck, and so he you know wanted to try and bring me in. And I said, well. Uh, the memes is really what you have to get into. <laughs> that's that's what's going to uh, NFTs as well, cryptocurrency, all that good stuff. What he goes, want. "There's currents in my new movie." Not like that, Jim. <laughs> oh my god, no, that's a different thing. Uh. You've heard of Keyboard Cat. What about Keyboard Tree? Get out of here, James. This isn't anything. <laughs> you, you stick your hair in it and it makes piano noise. Is that an image of, of uh, James Cameron putting a like horrifically lifelike Nyan Cat in an Avatar movie as, as like a, a Pandora creature? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like, that was for my kids. Gross. <laughs> Your kids are gross. <laughs> uh, we have fun here. Anyway. Um, if you want to have fun with us in the future, you can find us online at herecomesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HTTSequels. You can email us at herecomesequels at gmail.com. We are on Spotify, iTunes, wherever podcasts are created. Uh, wherever you listen to us, give us a like and a, a five star and uh, tell, tell your friends, m- mail your phone to the president and say... Share this on the White House <laughs> press <laughs> yeah. meetings, please, sir. Uh, I think if we do it enough, they'll, they'll either decide we are a threat to national security or they will share us and promote us. And I think either is going to give us publicity. So I, yeah, no know. such thing as bad publicity. <laughs> Mail your phone. <laughs> Dear President, share <laughs> this with the White House. Ah, neat. It's sort of... <laughs> Check this out, guys. It lights up. I love it. You got Marvel Snap on there. That's our, so cool. Our president, Kevin Feige. Yeah. I mean. Uh, yeah. But, but it's it's sort of the uh, the phone that's in the guy's belly in the Dark Knight. It's, you know, you, you, right. you play the podcast and then you stick it in the mail so that they're just hearing this go off the whole time. They're like, what's what's going on with this? Who are these people talking about? I don't know. Taft Night- sinking the Titanic. <laughs> yeah. I'm just imagining a paramedic looking at a, a phone in a plastic baggie. It's some sort of contusion, and then it just blows up. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we we do have fun here. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs>
And if that didn't sell you on it, nothing will. Happy holidays. We'll see you next time. <laughs> I've been Alex. I've been Britain. I've been Tyler. And I've oh. and I've been Britain. Uh, and uh, and you're and you're having a happy holiday. Yeah. <laughs>